Welcome to Remodel Your Life. We are shining the light on women working in the trades and remodeling their life into something better. Join a female cabinet maker in California in bringing together kitchen remodeling and working with your hands for a living. Welcome your host, Camille Finan. It is often so scary to strike out on your own or do something big that you've never done before. So I just love how Shannon took what she learned from her years glass blowing and created something new that worked so well for her. Let's pick up the end of her story and find out how it all led to the Morton Arboretum. Can you speak a little bit to the performance? I think sure. what you did was very unusual as a as a tradesperson. Yes. You know, most of us are not performing. Um, we've had a right. couple of people on who do demos and, and do some performance, but I think it, I think you were truly performing and you really enjoyed that sort of, it was almost like theater. Um, I oh, mean, so well, you must, you must miss that on some level. Oh, sure. I mean, the, the theater part, uh, we were considered a historical, sometimes hysterical demonstration, <laughs> but you know, I had a professional, we, we made people, whether they had theater background, but we had narration. So they would, he would describe, or she would describe every single move I was doing and about to do and the colors we were using. We just, it was just this very descriptive thing. And, and, you know, as if on cue every 22 or 23 minutes, a beautiful goblet would emerge. And then it got, it kind of got interesting because people used to gather and they start to get competitive. Like, I want that goblet. No, I want that goblet. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, this is really interesting. And it, it goes to, I don't want to call it scarcity, but, but during, during the demonstration, you know, people would know, I mean, it, it's a little interesting to have people so kind of up in your personal business as an artist, but I had, a, I was pretty good about blocking it off because I'd look up and I'd be like, dear God, there's 300 people watching me make this goblet. I better not, you know, scratch my nose or my butt or make sure I wasn't inappropriate. And you're just kind of like fishbowl, right? Mm -hmm. And what I did was I just made myself, I'm pretty good on focus. And so I just made myself focus intently on the glass and you know, uh, maybe it was the combination, the serendipitous part about the Midwest because they love their work ethic and they only have three months to play because otherwise it's under snow or sleet or something. But <laughs> And that I'm a woman and honestly, it was this really interesting combination. And then I started to realize, you know, if there's 300 people watching me, I'm going to make something really cool and I'm going to try and I'm going to push and I'm going to... And so I made myself, you know we would just these elaborate color patterns and it was a very interesting back and forth. You know, when obviously with theater, you can recite lines mm -hmm. and you can, and when you, and when it's time for scene and you have, you know, people sit down in chairs, it's a very different energy. And I recognized that. And I was like, wow, this is like super awesome. This, the, the audience is now going to contribute to this piece. And and so the narration would go on and then I would be there and, 
you know, there's, we had to change things around. It wasn't like a usual studio. It wasn't, I won't, I won't say it's the most efficient, but it was all catering to what the patrons saw. And so it became with flourish, if you will, you know, there might be little, oh, just little moves here and there. Um, and then there was the acknowledgement at the end and people were very appreciative. They were very, you know, it's pretty humbling when people are clapping for what you just did. And, but I always tried to keep it in perspective. Like I'm the glass messenger and, you know, and here's a woman doing this and I'm getting standing ovations or I'm getting all this laud, if you will. And, you know, do I miss it? Of course I miss it. I mean, um, there's nothing like you know somebody clapping and like, you know, taking out the trash and gardening and, mm-hmm. and doing the introverted it's good for the version. Ego. <laughs> It's like, but, but, you know, but I've, I've always been pretty solid about, you know, like, Hey, in September I'm going home and nobody's going to be clapping. And so in the wintertime it would fuel, I would take that and I would carry it through to the wintertime. Like, ah, this is Bristol glass. Or we would call it, we used to call it Andre glass. And that's my mentor. And we'd be like, Oh, we're making Andre glass today. We're really on it. Cause when you're on, that's the kind of energy that really is special. And that's the stuff I try to seek and so doing the performances or the demonstrations every single day by contract I was only to they only needed four from me and I was like okay well four for the four for the house if you will and the rest are for my family my friends my clients my patrons and I just love making glass and so I was like well the furnace is on the glass is hot Mm -hmm. um I got color and now I have an audience so this is like the trifecta of an individual artist and prosperity. And it just was amazing, amazing combination. And, you know, the other thing to be clever about is, you know, while you have to have a strong ego, a big ego is kind of inefficient. So having a strong ego is workable. And um, we had to make sure that the demonstration was suited for public because they have a whole Renaissance fair to see. And so it was very clever to say, you know, I had to deal with this all the time where people would be like, Oh, when's the glass floor? When he, when is he doing, you know, another demonstration? I'm like, well, she is doing another demonstration <laughs> in just three more minutes. And, you know, I'd wipe the sweat and then I'd be like, all right, we're doing it again. And, but we gave them seven minutes or 10 minutes to get into the garden and have glass in their hand. And then we'd start it again. And so it just began this. And that's where I, that's where I was like, this is like, this is like this really interesting slow heartbeat. And so the crowd would come in and they'd sit and then they'd go into the garden and there'd just be as much glass as possible. And the next crowd would come in and sit and they'd watch the demonstration and they'd clap and they'd get up and they'd go by. So I was like, this is really, really cool. I love this. This tempo is like, I could do this. So from, I, I love that you call it the heartbeat. It's that's awesome. Oh, well, if you, so now we do this at the next event, right? Cause I figure I'm going to go and, you know, going to the, the Morton Arboretum, I pretty much cold called them, walked in with a pumpkin and said, Hey, I'd like to put 2000 of these on your East lawn. And, you know, my co-producer now of nine years, she's like, Hmm, that sounds interesting. And, you know, they were negotiating with a really big glass company, probably the best in the country. But we ended up getting it because I came to that with, here's the trick, with the ability to do a demonstration. And it's one thing to sit at a craft fair with 300 other glass, you know, glass blowers, woodworkers, painters, and they're all fabulous. But that's 300 
booths that you have to split however many people show up, depending on what marketing thing they've done. And I realized early on that there's a trick to here, and that's to be the premier glass blower or the only one that does a demonstration. Because then it's not, I'm not asking you to buy my glass. You want to buy my glass. So I've shifted the narrative, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to actually get to, I can, I can tell you all day long how much I love glass. But until you see me do it, you'll be like, oh, that's really cool. That's really awesome. But then when you are part of it, you're like, I got to have it. I just saw the story. I saw the first chapter of this glass and I got to take it home because and I could go home and tell my friends exactly how I made, how she made this. And so that was this interesting little magical thing. And thankfully I was clever enough to go, that's my stock and trade. That's what I know how to do. And so I just kept building furnaces. And so I made, my mentor has the, he did the first one and we just kept making it and it's a mobile furnace, right? And the only places these furnaces show up are Renaissance fairs and, and then wherever I take one, whether it's a pumpkin patch or a winery or the state fair. And now they've started to make now just recently, people are starting to make these little mobile furnaces so they can turn them on and off. And so that's another thing that's sort of shifted in our industry is that you make a small furnace and that you can turn it on for four days and then turn it back off mm-hmm. versus having it be on, you know, 24 hours a day and your gas bills, $1,500 for the month. Right. So, right. so to go, so let's go back to the, the Morton Arboretum. So describe sure. sort of where it's located, how many, so it sounds like you've been there for nine years now, I think, but you also. Uh, ninth year, ninth year coming up, okay. uh, obviously a year in preparation, but. Right. And so where is um, it located um, sure. and, and how, I know that you have sort of a consortium of people that you have invited that are sort of specially invited to be part of your group at the yeah. presentations you do. And I know you only do it one time a year. So right. give us a little bit of background on that. Sure. So the evolution of the Morton Arboretum was to, I just kind of met cold called the store manager and I had done pumpkin patches in the past and I had, uh, had a surgery for a really big hernia. I was sick, didn't feel good for a few years. And at the Renaissance fair at the end of the year, I would go see this woman and she would read my cards, like literally read my cards. and. So I had the surgery, I got fixed and I felt healthy and strong. And she saw me and she's like, Oh my gosh, Shannon, you look so different. You look great. You look happy again. And I was like, yeah, I was not so good for a couple of years. She goes, you know what? She says, you know, all those dreams you have. And she, she says, you're always so, you know, like do these events and things like this. She goes, you should pursue some of those. And I said, well, I said, I don't know if they're relevant anymore. And it was like having this really cool, older aunt who was just like the hippest thing on the planet, you know, she was really trusting, really lovely person. And she goes, yeah, I think you should go home and figure out what's really important. Like, what do you want to do? Because you're really clever. And, you know, she was very complimentary anyway. So I went home and I was like, I want to do a pumpkin patch. And so I've always wanted to, I've always helped in them. I've done every portion, like from security to set up, to tear down, to marketing. I've done everything. I've just never done one. Like, Hey, Pungit Patch by Shannon Jane Morgan. So I took that little idea and I went to the Morton Arboretum, took him a pumpkin. Three and a half hours later, I was like, hook, line, and sinker. I got this one, right? We had this great conversation and I promised him 2,000 pumpkins. The thing is, is that I don't make 2,000 pumpkins. I had to include other artists, which is totally the plan because if I have a mailing list, then the other artist has the other mailing list. And I know the Morton Arboretum has a mailing list. And I was like, 
this is the Midwest. If we don't do a pumpkin patch out here, I'm a knucklehead. <laughs> so we planned the first year and I have to say everything that ever, that finally got me to that moment, everything I'd ever done in business happened in one afternoon. I got to talk to security. I got to talk to marketing and I could carry great conversations because I'd been doing it. And I obviously carry the enthusiasm and the passion and I'm clever enough that I brought about 40 pumpkins with me and I got there early and I set up a display because I know if you walk into 40 pumpkins, people walked in and they were like, Oh my gosh. Oh, ooh, ah. And so I was like, Oh, this is going to be an awesome meeting. And I just kind of let that happen. I just let glass do what it does. And I got out of its way and I just let glass carry the conversation. So they had some questions and I'd done all portions of a pumpkin patch. But the one thing I didn't have was glass blowers. I had a dream, but I had a year and I was like, okay, I can make five or 600, but I got to find some glass blowers. And so I went around to some studios and I asked a few people and People said, sure. And I said, well, you know, I, I know you don't know me and I really respect your time. And will you make a hundred pieces or you, will you make 50? Cause you're a brand new glass blower. And they're like, Oh, okay. You know, having direction. Right. And then this one glass blower walked up to me and I was, I was struggling because I didn't have it. I didn't have enough. I was like, Oh shoot. I promised 2000. And I think I have about 1500. So I'm close. This one old glass blower walked up to me, very quiet, very unassuming, you know, and, Always remember this little bit of advice, those unassuming quiet ones. Boy, she came up, she says, I think I'd like to be in your pumpkin patch. And I was like, is that right? And I said, yeah. I said, that's awesome. I said, she goes, yeah. And she showed me her work. And I was like, good Lord. I said, can you make me 400 of these? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I think I can. Well, that was Kit Paulson. And Kit Paulson has just risen to international fame now. But she was the first glass woman who actually believed in me. Like I said, you know, I, I we had this great conversation and I realized that she had such, I call it the get along factor. And she was so unassuming and she was such a great glass blower, but she just marketing wasn't her thing. You know, she was going to street shows and everything, but I said, I said, okay, I'm going to promise you, I'm going to give you 150% of my effort. Please look me up on Google. There's pictures that I've been at the Renaissance fair and I invited her there. I said, but this will be awesome. I said, I said, I hope, that I, I'm not going to promise you, promise you, but I'm going to give you 150% of my effort that I hope that I can deliver the biggest commission check of your life. And sure enough, that's what happened a year later. And then from Kit, the word got around that I was trustworthy and that I was, I did have a good reputation. So I went from studio to studio and I would just show up. And fortunately, nobody knew me. So nobody could put on airs of anything else that they weren't. And I just visited these different glass blowers, and I was like, this one's good. And it wasn't about great glass because I knew in time people become great glass blowers. It was about getting along because it was about trusting me to respect their time as artisans, but then to find the people that are willing to work to put in like, you know, cause I expect a hundred percent attendance, right? And I don't really put up with too much side stuff like bickering or drama. I'm not, I don't have time for it. So it's like, I got to find people who don't do that already because I can't typically train that out or reason with somebody enough. The focus is make as much beautiful glass at your house in your own style and then bring it here and then watch what happens. And so the Morton Arboretum was this little serendipitous thing because 
most pumpkin patches are like you go to a school or you go to a garden and they're there. Well, the difference is with the Morton Arboretum, they get 10,000 new people every single day. So I just kind of stepped in the middle of like serendipitous, like genius because they were getting 10,000 new people every single day and everybody had to pay to be there. So it was kind of like this vetting, if you will. And it's a nonprofit, which is what I really, that's at the base of my belief system, if you will, is, you know, community minded. But every year I would go out and try to find new glass blowers. And the glassblowers that were, like the Kit Paulsons and Matt Urban and Mike Amos, they all said, hey, we know this other glassblower. They're local. They're kind of like us. Why don't you go check them out? And I was like, done. So I'd fly out to the Midwest, go visit their studio for a day or two and see if they were a good match. So we have people every year want to be in the pumpkin patch because now it's got this great reputation, right? And I critique everything. So, and I tell you, hey you're a beginning glassblower, make me a hundred pieces because I don't want a young glassblower to get overwhelmed with the process of making two or 300 when they're still trying to figure out even how to make one or how to present their work. So when we get through the first year, it's like, okay, cool. Now make me 150. And now I want you to try for X, Y, or Z. So giving people goals is, is like focusing all their talent, like Matt Urban's amazing glassblower and make 300 and they're amazing versus making 3000. So it's like keeping their talent in this little bundle, which makes it really like, Oh, Matt's only got this many pieces. So I better get one because they're special. So your concept is the, the sort of the business model for specifically for the Morton Arboretum, which is, where's it located again? I think it's, Oh, sorry. It's a Lyle, Illinois. It's right outside of Chicago. Okay. Um, So basically your business model for this specific event is that you you hand select and basically sort of curate yes. a, a small handful, you know, 10 or whatever. Of, 16. Okay, 16 of hand-picked glassblowers who have a unique style yep. and, a, and a little technique, but they're all sort of making pumpkins or some one or two versions of the same thing, correct? And then you go correct. to this event once a year, and then yep. you market them and sell them and merchandise it and show it and do... I know, and I know you do demos there because you, you're doing a demo, right? And right. Then, oh, yeah. And then you pay those glass makers out of that, the proceeds, right? Yeah. The, the arrangement is that the Morton Arboretum hosts us. And here's the magic about that. They obviously 60% of the sale goes to the artist. It's curated. It's obviously we critique everything. Everybody comes in with a specific number because I never want to flood the market. It's not... I really want high quality because I believe that these glass blowers work really hard and I'd really, I really want the very best of what they do versus numbers. I think there's plenty of shows that reflect that and they all have their place, but this is a place for, for one week out of the year, you get to come hang out with other geeky glass blowers and we make food together and we hang out together. We set, we are responsible for setting up the show and tearing down the show and Every single glass blower has to be there so that the patron comes in that is coming to the Morton because the Morton is a beautiful place to be and they have the color shift of the, the leaves. So our thing is like, we're going to embrace this whole, you know, autumnal event and it is the time it is their highest peak attendance and they do other events that have sort of not evolved from this, but given them, they do all, they do a winter thing. They do spring events. They, you know, we're, we're one of many, but 
this is where you can talk to the glass blower. And then the Morton, we teach in the morning. So we can actually teach you how to make a baby pumpkin. And then, you know, each glass blower, I ask, you know, like who's teaching today and they all volunteer. And so we teach and then those people have to come back. And then there's a, what do you call it? A gala. So the really high end folks, you know, the donors or whatever can come in and be special and get the first look at all the beautiful, the collection, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, we don't sell first. We let people look at things. It's like this outdoor installation. And so people can come and enjoy it just by being at the Morton. I don't have the expectation that everybody has like 150 bucks or hundred dollars to buy a pumpkin, but yet they just want to look at it. So that's what we get to educate. And then during the afternoon, every glass blower gets to take a turn if they want, if they want to do a demonstration. And again, I say, you know, keep it within a half hour, you know, it's that whole thing. And so people are drawn in, they saw the glass being made and they're like, Oh, I didn't know this was so hard. No wonder they charge that. So the educational process is really the basis of sale because once you understand it's not an anomaly. It's not this sort of this concept of, oh, I'm going to give these glass blowers this much money because, well, they asked for it. Well, we're going to show you why we asked for it. We're going to show you that this is very expensive to do. Our color is extraordinary. And by the way, it took us 20 years to get this good at it. So it's kind of this kind of, you know, like, here's what we do. Here's this humble presentation of how we make little pumpkins or medium-sized pumpkins. It's in an outdoor setting. That gets a little rugged because it rains, but we deal. And then everybody takes a turn. <laughs> it's kind of like fight club. Everybody has to, we sleep at the furnace. Everybody has to take a turn because we don't, I don't have an expectation that a security guard would know how to deal with my furnace if something happened to it. And then we store it all away every year. And so I have a full complete glass blowing shop in the Midwest and we use it once a year and everybody participates fairly. Yeah, that's really incredible. So I didn't realize that each of the people you're picking, part of the choice is they have to be willing to go there and do some demos and participate in the your show, basically, right? So those yeah, oh those yeah, I mean, glass blowers go with you. Yeah, well, they all show up, and then we try oh. to, you know, we have it's gotten pretty elaborate because we're seeing six and seven thousand pumpkins, and we have to check them in, and they all get there, they all have to go through critique. So yeah. we stagger. We are like three, four artists today, three, four artists tomorrow, wow. and then if you're there, then you stay and you help your other friend set up, and so. You know, the fortunate thing is nobody quits because it's it's a good payday. No, it I mean, sounds it's really incredible. It sounds right. super fun. <laughs> right. And and then you everybody comes together once a year. And you know, yeah. in the past we had one of our one of our we've had a couple people where there's a group of 16, 15 of us, and every once in a while one person will move out of the area and they're still welcome to come back, but it doesn't you know, or just sort of attrition, if you will. You know, and so when I bring in a new person, if they're a young glass blower. I'm looking for people with great attitudes because, again, you could become a better glass blower, but it's really hard to find sometimes great attitude. I get asked frequently to teach to nonprofits, schools, and organizations that are helping kids and people training in the skilled trades, and they're looking for some basics about tools. Just this last week, I was teaching some basic hand and power tools to a group of students and by far the number one standout tool that everybody was just going crazy over was my stiletto titanium 10 ounce hammer. Compared to the hammers they were given, they were just blown away by the difference in weight and yet how powerful it was. 
No more torn elbow ligaments and shoulder problems. This single tool will dramatically reduce your injuries. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about why I love it so much, because this series is sponsored by Stiletto, a US-based company that I truly stand behind, and it is my absolute favorite tool. I've had my Stiletto hammer for over 20 years, and I just love it, but it is a very specific size and shape, specifically the 10-ounce smooth-faced curved hickory handle. It's under $100 and the best purchase you can make. They say it has a stopping power of a 16 ounce hammer and I can verify that for sure. I can frame all day long with this. So if you already use a traditional hammer, you will love this for sure. And if you're just a beginner starting out, this will be the only hammer you need for life. So let's get into the features and why I love it so much. It's actually become like an extension of my body. So I had to really think about it a bit to list the features. So here goes. Number one, because I'm five foot three, which is short, I have short arms. So this extends my reach another full arm length. And because it weighs almost nothing, it's not heavy. So I can reach out a lot further with no effort. Number two, the weight. Because it weighs almost nothing, it is still super powerful on impact. I can use it for hours and hours with absolutely no arm fatigue at all. This includes demoing an entire kitchen, demoing trim and casework effortlessly, and of course, framing. I use it for installing kitchen cabinets and so many more things. Number three, the straight back claws let me get in close to the wall for demos. They're very narrow and very thin and they get me quickly behind the trim to remove or position cabinets. So many uses for these straight claws and they don't leave any marks on the wall. Number four, the curved hickory handle has this natural place for my hand near the end and makes swinging it a dream. I use so little effort because it has this sort of snap right at the end that that little subtle thing really helps the recoil, which brings me to the next feature. Number five, no recoil. Because it is so light, the titanium has this amazing way of absorbing the recoil and somehow concentrating your power in such an interesting way. I've never used anything like it. Number six, it is so balanced and proportional that it literally feels like it's a part of my arm. Kind of like I'm bionic. It makes me feel so powerful and I have had no injuries in 20 plus years from using it versus when I first started out in the union, my elbows and shoulders were almost completely shot in just the first couple of years. Number seven, lastly, the grip, which is so important and rarely talked about. Because most women are using a hammer that is too heavy for them, they have to squeeze their hand to hold onto it very tightly, which also creates carpal tunnel syndrome, not to mention torn forearms and elbows. Because it is so light, my grip is only tight enough right at the moment of impact and just enough to hold onto the lightweight handle. This means I have absolutely no hand tension or injury to my wrists. I can work for hours demoing a kitchen, ripping out a floor, removing all the trim in an entire house, and my hands won't feel sore at all. This is a major improvement. I remember going home with numb hands all the time using traditional hammers and it already developed a pretty severe case of carpal tunnel syndrome. This hammer fixed all that for all the reasons above. I just love her so much. And if you'd like to get yours today, please visit the link in our Instagram bio and pick one up and support this show with no extra cost to you. I can't wait to see you post pics of your new stiletto hammer and how you use it. This is my Boss Babe Hammer, and I hope you get yours today.
I was surprised at sort of the generosity of you at the tail end of your career, but you're still doing extremely well. You don't need to bring in, like, you, you have no reason to bring in someone who's new and, and um, you know, less less experienced. You could have your hand pick of lots of really great glass blowers. I'm, right. I'm impressed that you would let still younger, you know, not necessarily younger, but more less experienced glass blowers, new glass blowers, still participate in such a large arena. Like, what made you decide to do that? You know, I think that um, with opportunity comes many things, and I think that you can only present opportunity. It's what someone does with it, and I think that I've watched, uh, especially women, struggle to find opportunity. And you know, you get just dis- you know despondent. You're like, ah. And you make up other reasons and things like that. And honestly, that's what I look for because I don't want to call it self-serving or smart or clever. But if I find people that just really want to work, they are really easy to get along with as far as I'm concerned because I just really want to work. And I want to have a great time. I want to have a great cup of coffee in the morning and have a conversation with some other glass blowers. And they all go back to little studios just like mine somewhere in Illinois or Indiana or and they and we're it's this little interesting little clan. And as a group, like we had one of our people had a really bad diagnosis and it really compromised their year. And so what we did was we said, well, we don't we all don't have a lot of money because it goes to our gas bills and our color bills. But what we do have is glass. And so we talked to the Morton and my partner and I, Karana, um, she is the co-producer. And then Jackie Fusilla is the uh, co-producer who is at the Morton full time. So the three of us got together and I said, look, I have to respond to this. My friend, our friend is not doing well. And financially it's really expensive to come back from an illness. And so every glass floor without question I said, hey, we have this opportunity. Could you, would you like to donate a few of your pieces? And it could be one. And I tell people, you know, the young glass blowers, you can donate one, but you only have 100 pieces. So no, you you can't. This is your livelihood. But the other, the the senior glass blowers, the ones that have two and three and four and 500 pieces, if you'd like to donate a couple. So we all got together and we, I think we had a grouping of like, I don't know, 45 or 50 pieces of glass. And we gave it its own skew number. So it became its own little sort of Mm -hmm. thing. And from that, here's my favorite part, the Morton Arboretum, they waived that part and a hundred percent of the proceeds. So if that piece of glass sold for a hundred dollars, then we put that in a little kitty and we were able to gift this person, you know, a couple of thousand dollars because running a business while you're sick is super expensive and it's devastating. And it was just like, Hey, we just wanted, we couldn't be there because we were all, we were scattered. Yeah. It was just like, it was our way of saying, we believe in you. We, we love you. We care about you here. Take this and do what you need to do with it. Like if you need to pay a gas bill or color or whatever, who cares? Yeah. You have great judgment. And so she used it and however she used it, cause that was it. Mm-hmm. And it happened again this year where we had somebody who had, you know, terrible back issues. And so we kind of banded together and people's responses is appropriate. And so that's what I like about the power of glass and the power of friends is that in a minute, in a conversation like that, you can raise a little bit of money. And more importantly, you can support somebody who may not exactly feel the best or, you know, uh, not because we are a little bit solitary as far as glass blowers. Mm -hmm. And, and that's one of the great byproducts of it. 
you know, the other cool thing, I one of the young glass blowers that I invited this year, she recently sent me a text and said, thank you. Because of you, I was able to meet this person, this person, this person, and now I have more work. And I'm so now she's moving along. You know, she tried. She was in a terrible car accident, but she said, I don't know if I can make it. I'm like, nope, act like you're going to be there. Just mm-hmm. act like you're going to be there. We'll keep your paperwork. Just show up. If you have 20 pumpkins, I don't care. You need to be in this group because this group, it'll work out great for you. And sure enough, she kept trying. She kept trying. And she made her number. And she showed up. And she did her thing. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when you have a hard year and it kind of sucks and headaches and, you know, whatever. And she's like, hey, I think I'm going to go home. I'm feeling good. I said, hey, how about this? You know, I'm a little... So why don't you go back over to the house and take a nap and take a nap with Pitbull and see how you feel in three hours. And if you still feel like you want to go home, go home. It's okay. But go take a nap. And then if you're going to leave, we'll make you a sandwich, some coffee, and then you can head down the road. I said, because tomorrow is our biggest day and we do this gala dinner. And so she stayed and that was cool. And she's like, yeah, thanks for making me stay kind of a thing. Cause you know, when you don't feel good, it's like, it's just okay to, it's okay to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And I'm really super cool. Like if you really got to leave, you should really go to leave. But when you're a little insecure or a little unsure of yourself, it's like, Hey, just hang out for a minute longer and see what happens. It's just a few hours, right? Yeah. What I could have said, Oh yeah. All right. See you later. But I think it's about the part where you just go, Oh, I see you. And you're not, ha- you're having a little struggle, but how about we just wait it out together? Right. Let's just hang out and let's see what happens. Yeah, I love that. So back to the uh, young glassblower, though. Like, how how would somebody? Sum- are you saying that you're sort of open for people to submit to you to possibly well, be included? Sure. I mean, people do every year, and now they're now they're figuring out my system. Okay. Because you, you have to go through a couple filters. Because I'm kind of first of all, you're going to be like, oh, it's at the Morton Arboretum, and so you send a letter to our co-producer Jackie, and she goes, <laughs> she goes, well. Thank you for asking, but here, let me send you off to Shannon because Shannon and Karan are responsible yeah. for this. So she's my filter. So then I call them up and I have a conversation and I said, you know, it's a different show. Not everybody understands it because I, it's not like open enrollment, mm-hmm. but I am looking, I always am looking for that person that gets along, you know, this is an established group. Everybody's been around for oh gosh, six, seven years now. My mm-hmm. first, everybody who was in the beginning is still with me. And so I'd like to say, I believe in that longevity. This, this will be a career show that you'll be able to say, Hey, I, I could do, I do this every year, rain or shine. Yeah. But yeah. as far as bringing new people in, you know, in the beginning I had a struggle to find glass blowers and now I, I don't, but mm-hmm. I'm always looking for what I really need now for the event because it's a mature event. People have their styles and, and how I want to qualify that statement is, is that, this glass blower does this style. Now, if you tell me you can do that style, I don't, that's not anything special. I need something interesting and new. Mm-hmm. So the bar is a little bit raised. If you've been blowing glass, if you're brand new, there's, it's a little easier to get in because I'm interested in fostering great relationships with young glass blowers. Um, because it's hard and it's weird and yeah. I can show you how to do things and organic. It doesn't cost anything as long as you're willing to do whatever, you know, like go to little shows or niche shows. Or I always tell the young glass blowers, you should always have a box of glass in your car. 
Yeah. Well, that's what I'm getting out of this interview. I'll have stuff with you because you never know when an opportunity is going to present itself. And And then I love your concept of, you know, you could make a small, you could, you could be part of us of a, um, you know, there's, there's doing craft shows and then there's doing a craft show where you can create a heartbeat in your right. stall, something right. where you can create a natural rhythm for new customers that want to purchase your stuff. Right. And you can do that right. on a small scale. Someone could be hearing this interview and, and think, Oh, I, I do that, but I don't, I don't do them in this way. I could really structure right. this and, and, and make a lot more money. So they don't well, necessarily have to do it with you, but I mean, this is a good example of taking a technique from someone who's done something and learned something over many decades and sure. then applying it to something in their own life. Right. You know, my partner calls me the Peter Pan <laughs> of glass, like, Hey, let's do this. This will be fun. Raw. And it kind of, I'm fortunate. I haven't gotten knocked back too much, but I always make sure I'm very careful about that. Yeah. And, and I have this saying that goes along with it. I only use my powers for good because obviously if you have a, a strong personality or you, you know, there's a lot of opportunities. And I think, I think especially in our world today where things are kind of internet and, you know, not tangible and we have crazy politics. I think it's really important to use your powers for good, whether it's, you know, uh, I have a friend who runs front street animal shelter. And so a couple of years ago I was like, Hey, let me make a bunch of ornaments. And it started out, it's called a day of my labor. And I had a friend who was a CSO community service officer. And she came to me, she goes, hey, we have this situation, we have five families, and we're going to, each sector is going to sponsor a family for the holiday. And I was like, I'm in. And she's like, yeah. And I said, yeah, I'll give you a day of my labor. Whatever I can make, however many ornaments I can make in a day, they're yours. And she's like, okay. So I made like 80. She took a picture. You made 80 ornaments in one day? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Ornaments, it took me 10 years and three minutes, you know, three minutes to get that good. You know, you you have to practice it. I mean, you can get pretty decent, but they're pretty colorful and elaborate. So we took those 80 ornaments. She took a picture of them and she sent it out intra, I guess they call it intra office. Mm -hmm. And they were gone in five minutes (laughs) and she made, she sold them for $10. And I was like, okay. And then we all showed up and we helped this one lady clean up her house and, you know, kind of like, Oh, well, they do these nowadays, they do these houses where they do the transformation, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so the next year she comes to me, she goes, hey, will you do that thing? And I'm like, I will, but you can't sell them for $10. She's like, what? I said, no, you got to sell them for 15. If they're going to go that fast, you're going to, you're going to, mm-hmm. you can make more money. So here's another 80. So they sold out in 10 minutes. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was going to so say 15 was way too cheap. <laughs> right. Well, it is, but it was in Tron. And I was yeah. like, oh, these guys are, you know, these are state workers or city workers. I said, you know, they got 15 bucks. And of course they sold out. And the next year she goes, I, I said, yeah. She goes, but this year, can we get a few more? And I said, well, sure. I said, so you get a day of my labor, so you get 80. I said, now, if you want me to make another day's worth, I can make, I have time to make like another 40. If you just pay my cost. I think it was like $7 a piece or something at that point. I said, then that will take care of my color and my time, you know, like Mm -hmm. the gas time. And she's like, okay. So of course they sold out and they sold for 20. So we're making $2,500 in a email. And I was like, that's awesome. You know, and then she moved and, you know, somebody else tried to do it and she didn't, didn't have the same enthusiasm. So the point of that exchange is, is that if you have someone else on the other side of the exchange, the serendipitous moment, like you can think of these ideas all day long, but unless you have a cohort, like 
the Morton Arboretum or the Renaissance Fair or my friend who was an officer. She had the passion to take care of community as she was a community service office officer, right? So that kind of blended in and they were able to take care of families. So when you find that similar spirit, if you will, that kindred, then really hang on to those because those are the ones you go to because, you know, I did the same thing with uh, the animal shelter, same thing, sold ornaments. Somebody from their department made up a website and we just sold ornaments, you know, two for 50 bucks. And I was like, yeah, you get all this and I'll just take, you know, I think my wholesale is like 11 or 12 bucks. But what that does is, is then people have to come pick it up, right? And when they came to pick it up, I had a warehouse at the time and they'd buy other glass. And I said, well, whatever you buy, 10% of that goes to, you know, the agency. But then I said, okay, so, but I get to say where the money goes. And they're like, sure. And I'm like, spay and neuter because less dogs, less problems. So, and then we have a lifelong friendship. So, you know, there's a purity there, I think is what I'm talking about. I think there's a lot of reasons to sell glass. There's a lot of reasons to sell what we do. There's a great example. Uh, I think I've spoke about it before. Glassy baby. You know, I went to work there cause I was like, wow, I really like how they market stuff. And a woman owned it and they take a part of their proceeds and it goes, they have this system where if it's a pink votive, then it goes to breast cancer. And so 10% of what they make goes to that. So everything based in giving and gratitude. And, you know, I always have time for something like that. That always makes sense to me. It makes, you know, makes my work like, oh, I have a reason why, right? Because mm-hmm. I can make stuff. But when I, I do stuff for a reason, it has a, it just becomes another world. And then that's why I work for myself, is that I can make those changes. I can affect change, right? I can make a difference. Well, uh, you said it perfectly. On that note, <laughs> I, think that's a great, I think that's a great ending to this interview, honestly. You've, you've given us... Uh, so many things to think about and just, you just have, well, that's why I wanted to interview. You have just a wealth of not just a background as a technical, you know, good glass blower, but just, you know, the way you look at the world, doing sure. events, doing performances, selling stuff, teaching. I mean, you've just, you've literally had this full life of um, just amazing experiences. So um, we will put your website and your IG address um, in the show notes. So we don't have to worry about saying that. We'll put all that in the show notes so people can find okay, cool. you. Um, yeah. When is the Morton Arboretum? Uh, when? What's the timing of when the next one is, is happening? It's always in October, the second or third week. I can look up the dates, the okay. actual dates. Yeah, so I'll um, put that on there. Yeah. It's like second or third week of October every year. Nice. That sounds exciting. Sounds like an amazing event. And uh, it's beautiful. Well, you can look it up now now that we've had the interview. You you can go Google it because it's really pretty. And um, I did it because I was like, well, I can't think of a prettier background. So, you know, when the colors are turning and every year, like there's a couple little YouTubes on it. But um, I think I go there. Well, there's a lot of reasons I go there. But every year we take my partner and I just drive around. Jackie, our other co-producer gives gives us a golf cart and so we're able to buzz around the you know 1700 acres in a golf cart and just take pictures yeah and so i take different well my partner's a photographer but i'm not and i just take pictures of things i like and i take that color sense back and then i try to recreate that in glass Mm. and so 
it's a great inspiration for all the autumnal colors that I like to use. And, and then I tell them, you know, then it has, you know, it's this tree in this field and everybody's like, Oh, I know where that is. And so people connect with it. And, yeah. you know, it's just like, and every year I do a signature series for them, like a special, like a hundred special pumpkins that I think, you know, I've been doing it for, well, this is my eighth year. So there's a series and people, you know, the first year I did very traditional orange and green. Cause I was like, well, this is the first year pumpkin patch. A blue pumpkin isn't going to sell. So we did a lot of orange and white and green and things like that. But now it's pretty, you know, they've gotten a pretty elaborate color palette now. So the audience has grown. And last year, I think we sold 5,800 pieces in 22 hours. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's pretty. And, and the thing is, is that it's like, I don't have to do paperwork because that's not my strong point. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, my, I want to say my eye is for design and finding the right people and making sure and seeing promise, you know, seeing that, you know, I've had other young glass floors do this event, but they don't always pan out, but at least we tried and we took it, we took a, a risk, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, and then certain, I guess I, you know, when you say, ask me if I was always looking for, sure, I'm always looking for, but I always have to say that I think I didn't mention it, but people are now bringing their glass. Like if they want to be in the pocket patch after conversation, like, well, you should just come up and see the show. Cause that's a better explanation. People are driving now and bringing their glass to me mm. and kind of offering it to me. <laughs> and it's kind of like an in-person interview and it's right. very sweet. Um, and you know, I, I can't add everybody cause it, of course it's limited. It, it's curated. It, yeah. Right. And I'm looking for, and you know, there's a, they're the really nice, but they're glass. I have that glass already. And so it's really, you know, then I have to be the person to be like, Hey, this is really awesome, but I need somebody with a different look. And I think that's stylistically, mm-hmm. that's where we're at because, because it's, we have six and 7,000 pieces of glass. I need a new look and you can't copy what I already have. Right. Exactly. Right. You have to, it has to be really cool. Like it has to be, now it has to be like kind of badass and (laughs) you know, um, it has to be very different because then, you know, it's a different look for our clients and because we'll have thousands of people come through every day. Like, and it gets a little crazy on Friday. Friday is this little, it's a weird little day in and of itself. People, you know, what a, when a bird catches a prey Mm -hmm. and they, they put their wings out and it's called mantling. Hmm. Yeah, people do that around their pumpkins that they because they get a, three days to look at it, and so they get you know like the hype kind of goes, and you can't you can't have it, and so people are like, but I want it, and I have to talk people back from the edge a lot, mm. you know, like I really appreciate that you really want this, but it's not for sale yet. <laughs> it wow. will be, but I'm here now, and I'm like, you know what? I totally get that. Let's go get coffee, and we're gonna walk around the patch, but nothing's for sale yet because I want everybody to enjoy how beautiful this is, and they get cranky and. It was really hard for their customer relations for a while, but I said, please, you know, this is my contract. Just follow my permit, follow my plan. I said, otherwise we're going to have a cool pumpkin patch for a few years and then it'll go away. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think, want this. I think for sure when I come and visit your shop, I think I'm going to have you make me a pumpkin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think you've convinced me. Well, um, and you know what? And it, it will, and yeah, we'll make it and you'll help. And then mm-hmm. I'll show you how to make one. That's awesome. Right? Great. Well, I, know, I sure appreciate your time. I think this is going to be such an interesting, different kind of interview for so, oh, cool. so for so many women just listening. I think it's, it's just, uh, you've had such a very interesting career in so many different ways. 
Oh, it just, you know, and, and you know, and fortunately it, it just goes on. There's just every chapter and every, there's a story somewhere there's crazy stories and there's fun stories, but it's been mostly fun. You know, I, I, we have lots of great stories, so I'm really grateful for that part. So yeah. <laughs> Most of us can't afford a Chihuly chandelier to hang in our entryway, but for Shannon, she has found a way to create affordable pieces of art that incorporate the wonder and beauty of a craft that thousands and thousands of visitors fight to purchase a pumpkin from her curated group of specialists. They have melded all the blood and sweat and hard work the skill takes to thrive in the glassblowing industry into these gorgeous little creations of art that regular people can admire and bring so much joy. For me, that is what I have learned is the real purpose of art, to stir emotion and bring joy. And I think we can all agree we need more of that in this world. I look forward to the next series and thank you for listening. listening to remodel your life i sure have enjoyed being with you today and if you really like our show we'd love it if you would subscribe through itunes you can always send us feedback through email at camille at remodelyourlifepodcast.com and i'll see you next week thank you for listening to the remodel your life podcast This episode has ended, but your remodeling journey can continue. Head over to RemodelYourLifePodcast.com to access all the resources, tools, and links mentioned in this episode. Until next time, get your hands dirty and create the life you want from the foundation up. And thanks again to Blue Apron. I just love cooking with them and so appreciate their support of my show. (laughs) 